Good morning. Welcome to church. Are you ready for Christmas? <laughs> sort of. I think the best way to get ready is to sing some songs, so let's uh, stand and sing to the Lord this morning. pray with me Lord Jesus open our hearts so that we can receive your Savior who came in the form of a baby 2,000 years ago we thank you Lord in Christ's name we pray Amen Thank you. 
your neighbor. Joe Kate, I'm the pastor here at Memorial. We're so grateful that you joined us. If you came with your family, if you're a visitor today, welcome. Uh, we're grateful that you've come in our space. We want to make sure that you know we've got coffee and donuts and water in the back, and we have restrooms here, and we have a security check-in station if your children will go um, with Miss Aaron in any of the children's activities, fifth grade or below. We'd like to frame our announcements and our five practices of fruitful congregations. Uh, we do our very best to live these out. We talk them up, and um, uh, sometimes we succeed, sometimes we struggle, um, but we're getting better and better every day. The first of which is radical hospitality. Uh, what can we do to make our campus as welcoming as possible, make our service as welcoming as possible? I want you to open your bulletins, because that's one of our first efforts when you walk in the door. Your announcements are in the framework of the five practices of fruitful congregations. Uh, we also have visitor cards and prayer cards in the back. If you would like an usher to bring you a visitor card or a prayer card, just raise your hand. An usher will bring you both, and you can choose which one. Uh, you can share your prayer concern with us. It will be shared with our Tuesday prayer group and with our staff. Um, one prayer concerns we have today is Miss Carm Hudson passed this morning. Um, it's very peaceful. Um, she's been uh, uh, not well in the last couple weeks. Um, the whole family was surrounded uh, with her yesterday when I was there and um, just just a special, quiet moment. Um, they'll have um, service later this week, uh, Thursday or Friday, and we'll make sure that you get that news um, uh, when the service will be. 
Um, if you want to share prayer concerns, you know, I've found out about her and another person by someone calling our 24-hour uh, number. You can look on the front of your bulletin. It's the pastoral care uh, line. You can leave us a prayer concern that you uh, just want to share with us, like in worship. You can tell us about a pastoral care emergency, which happened over the weekend. I got an immediate message and was there as quickly as I could. It works, and I encourage you to use it uh, whenever you can. Um, Let's, let's hit escape. Let me show you all something. Hit the email. Yeah. Alright, this is what our email looks like when it comes to you. If you say, what email? Make sure you talk to Leslie and get on our email list. Her email is lesliememorialgreer.com. It's in this banner format, and it has changed in a dramatic way this week. There's a headline that says church directory, if you click on it. Leslie Pace, Aaron Knight. Leslie Pace, Aaron Knight. Leslie Pace, Aaron Knight. My goodness, thank you. My goodness. Every one of you that contributed when we said, hey, is this person real? We'd ask that over and over and over again, and um, y'all would help us out, and we're grateful for that. Um, hit the, um, see the one of 30? There's an arrow to the right. Mm -hmm. So if you click on it, it opens just like the directory opens. Um, we have our directories in the social hall this morning, and you can leave directly from this service and go to the social hall. The only catch is, to begin with, you have to have taken a picture. They only gave us so many, and so we want to make sure those that took a picture get one. And certainly not against anyone that came since we took the picture, it's just the nature of the way it goes. We can print them as often as we want and can give you one. Um, but this will be in our email, and the upside of this is we can update it. We can update the contact information. We can update the pictures. So if you find a way to have this on your phone, on your um, computer, you can keep flipping through. You'll see, um, you'll see different parts of it. You'll see the framework of the five practices there with pictures and keep going. And then it gets to your names and then there's some in the back as well. And the contact in the back as well. The contact information was the beast. That was a beast. I never made it more than three times in a row calling or emailing one of you with our contact information and it being right. Never more than three. You know what my current number is? 27. I've made 27 straight emails or calls that went to that person. And that's a credit to the people that put their heart into making sure our contact information was correct. Uh, so. You can go immediately following the service, like I said, and it's going to be broken out um, by name, by letters of your last name, if you'll go through there. People can also do that directly following the 11, but I assume you'll do it now if you're going to do it. Um, let's switch to passionate worship. If you go to the next tab, before we go back to that, Jim Mitchell is leading our worship today, solo, in honor of the CD that he has created. He wrote it. Uh, he played it. He produced it. He made it happen. And so this is also in your email that's going out. It's also on Spotify, and it's also, that's iTunes. Uh, I encourage you to go there. You're going to hear two of them. We've already heard one. You'll hear another one uh, in the service, and I encourage you to go. That's so cool. You know, Don creates from nothing uh, in the 11 o'clock service on the piano and for handbells, and uh, Jim has created this, and uh, we're celebrating him today. Uh, congrats on completing that, Jim. I know that's a big deal. Let's go back to the PowerPoint. Yep. Um, uh, so Jim Mitchell's CD is there. Uh, Harper Sestito's baptism 
is this morning in the 11 o'clock service. So uh, as we are accustomed to do now, there's a note in there that you can write. Uh, it doesn't have to be complicated. Just be a friendly note to parents. You just write it and give it to, uh, you can put it in the ushers, in the plate as the ushers go by. You can um, uh, give it to us in the office and we'll make sure that they get it. We believe in intentional faith development. And I'll tell you that Sunday night programming, you can keep going here while you're going. Erin um, Knight is our children and family director. She's going to have one announcement. Um, I'll tell you, Sunday night programming is um, off for Christmas and will resume in January. Good morning. I'm Erin Knight, Director of Children and Family Ministries, and I just wanted to make you aware of a uh, fun and festive disruption to your Sunday school hour this morning. Uh, the kids are going to be learning for one final week about Christmas around the world. Um, this is not just an opportunity to have some fun learning about diversity and um, the ways that we all uh, welcome the coming of Christ, but also a way um, that we can learn how we are alike. Um, and that's something that we've really enjoyed. <coughs> Pardon me. It's that season. Um, so today, we're going to be doing something called Las Posadas. And that means the inn. Um, so in Mexico, starting yesterday and going for nine days up until Christmas, <coughs> I do have the breath to do this, I do believe. Um, <clears throat> Children in Mexico and their parents go door to door and knock and say, um, do you have any room for Mary? They're dressed as Joseph and Mary, wise men, shepherds, angels, um, and so that's what we're doing today. And so the first houses they go to will say, no, we don't have room for Mary. And that's what most of your Sunday school classes today will be saying to our children. No, I'm sorry, we don't have room for you, and you send us on our way. Um, so everyone but partners in faith will have to be firm and tell our children no. Um, you can do it. It'll be hard, but you can do it. You're welcome to invite us in if you want to see their costumes, but you, you can't keep us. We, you have to say you don't have room. Um, but then Partners in Faith, of course, is in the social hall, and they have a stage. So you will say yes to us, and we'll get up on the stage, and um, there the baby Jesus will come. Um, we have a doll that we will miraculously appear and put him in the manger and sing a song and then we'll return to our classroom for cookies. So I wanted to let you know what was going on if we appeared at your door that you would be saying no to us unless you're in that Partners in Faith class. I also want to let pre preschool parents, bear with me, I'm going to get this out today, preschool parents know that um, if your child is checked in at 9, they will just be walked upstairs if they're supposed to go to Sunday school at 10. Um, but if you are planning to bring them to 10 o'clock, um, drop them upstairs in the straight room, and that's also where you will pick them up. And it should be a very special day. So we look forward to seeing you around campus at 10 o'clock. Thanks. Thank you, Aaron. Um, we believe in risk-taking mission and service, and currently we are taking up uh, um, coats of all sizes. If you have a coat that's uh, in excellent shape of any size, make sure that you bring it to us uh, so that we know uh, that we can support people in this community. We believe in extravagant generosity, and you see a section in the back of your bulletin of where we stand for the end of the year. We're so grateful for those who have given who haven't pledged. We, almost one-fifth of our budget is unpledged uh, giving. We're grateful for those who have pledged, uh, and if you want to make sure as the year closes out to pay attention uh, to where you stand on that pledge. We're grateful for your generosity and we ask uh, uh, that you just look one more time uh, before the end of the year. Uh, we thank you 
for coming today. We thank you for participating in our service. And I encourage you to join me in prayer as we begin. Gracious God, we thank you for this space. We thank you for an opportunity to serve. We thank you for an opportunity to join one another in fellowship, in prayer, and in song. We thank you for um, the fragile nature that you took on as an infant in a stable in a tiny town. Not coming with power and authority and swords, threats, but coming in peace, in weakness, in fragility. Help us, Lord, in this season, as we experience angst, as we experienced anger at times, as we experience conflict with others, to remember the peaceful nature in which you entered this earth. Bless us, inspire us this morning, Lord, with the prayer you taught your disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's now time for our Advent candle liturgy. Call Larry and Peggy Smith up and you can join them uh, either on the screen uh, or in your bulletin, whichever one is easier for you to read. Psalm 43, 3 and 4. Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. And I will praise you with the harp, O oh God, my God. It is getting closer. We feel it. The days are shorter, but the lights burn brighter. We are listening. Very good to hear good news. We have gathered together in the house of joy. We are here to praise God with our voices. We are here to praise God with beautiful music. We are here to praise God with all we have. Today, we light the candle of joy. We worship God with exceeding joy. Thank you. We're going to start off this morning with three pictures. Let's look at the first one. Shrek. And Donkey. And what's the princess's name? Fiona. Fiona. Princess Fiona. Last week, everybody's piling on me about Chip and Joanna. And I was maybe saying another name. I got you. I got you. Chip and Joanna. Fiona, donkey, trick. Let's go to the next one. Who we got here? 
Rudy, Rudy. Who's the next one? Mary and Joseph. What do these three have in common? They all occur to Joe Kate in the season of Advent. That's it, really? No, that's not right. Underdogs. These are underdogs in every way. And when we watch movies or we read books or we see stories about underdogs overcoming uh, total adversity, we love it. Warms our heart. Makes our eyes well up. It might be the 25th time we've seen it. Might be the 125th time we've seen it. Something about it wells up in our hearts and we well up in our eyes. We love underdogs. Guess who else loves underdogs? Bible. God loves underdogs. All kinds of stories of people chosen who were the youngest, the smallest, from the tiniest clan, from the smallest tribe, uh, this tiniest warrior with the largest warrior across the field, Mary and Joseph, what we'll read Christmas Eve. But not today. Today is entirely different. And it's one of those unique circumstances in which one of the most influential, one of the most powerful, in one of the most powerful places, has a life-changing story. I think it's equally important to hear that and to understand that in this season. Luke chapter 1, starting with verse 5. During the rule of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was a descendant of Aaron. They were both righteous before God, blameless in their observance of all the Lord's commands and regulations. They had no children, because Elizabeth was unable to become pregnant, and they were both very old. One day Zechariah was serving as a priest before God, because his priestly division was on duty. Following the customs of priestly service, he was chosen by lottery to go into the Lord's sanctuary and burn incense. All the people who gathered to worship were praying outside during this hour of incense offering. So your first phrase is the establishment. You ever root for the big guys? You ever hope that the ones who have power and authority will keep it? Not often. You ever see the people who have power and authority have a total transition? Not often. There's a couple barriers to it. They're not listening as hard because there's so many voices in their heads. They're not as willing to change because there's so much to lose. But today's different. This is not in Jericho. This is not in Nazareth. This is not in Bethany. This is not in any small town that we hear about throughout the Bible. This is in Jerusalem. This is not a fisherman. This is not a tax collector who's been converted. This is not a shepherd who's out in a field who doesn't have much influence. This is a priest. This is not in a manger. This is not beside a well. This is not out in a desert with some random sheep. This is in the temple. This is a priest in the temple in Jerusalem. And your next phrase, once in a lifetime. 
You, know, you get chances in your career, whatever that career may be, to do something truly significant that may be the transition of a major program, it may be a presentation in front of everyone, Whatever it may be, you've had an opportunity to do something on a really high level that is the height of anything you've ever done in your career. In 2009, I preached in front of an annual conference. I did the Bible study. I was 29 years old and was in a new church start and had had a great deal of success in that new church start in the first two years. And they said, would you be willing to do the Bible study for annual conference? This is um, United Methodists from all over our state gathered in one spot for four days. And at 29, I thought, this is the most significant thing I'll ever do. This is the most significant opportunity I've ever had. And in that moment, with uh, an arena full of people, I thought... This is it. This is what I've driven for entirely. Now, this moment is different. This isn't a moment of worship with a bunch of people. This is a moment of solitary worship in a place that very few people can go in the temple. You know, that sense that people have in the sanctuary that they don't necessarily want to go up into the chancel. It's a little intimidating. It's that times 50 in terms of access, in terms of people's ability to go in there, in terms of significance that you must do everything exactly right. This is the once-in-a-lifetime pinnacle chance, a life and a career spent in service to God, and He gets to go in the temple to offer a sacrifice. In the belief of the people of the Old Testament in the temple, they believed this was proximity. That God was in a place rather than in a place. And so you get to go to the place where God is. This is the opportunity Zechariah has. And if you've ever had a major service, a major presentation, you think, it's got to be perfect. It's got to be exactly perfect. And as he's thinking that, and as he has this opportunity, he's entirely interrupted. Verse 11. An angel from the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw the angels, he was startled and overcome with fear. The angel said the favorite thing that angels love to say. Hey man, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayers have been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will give birth to your son, and you must name him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many people will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the Lord's eyes. He must not drink wine and liquor. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. He will bring many Israelites back to the Lord their God. He will go forth before the Lord, equipped with the spirit and power of Elijah." He will turn the hearts of fathers back to their children. He will turn the disobedient to righteous patterns of thinking. He will make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, How can I be sure of this? My wife and I are very old. The angel Gabriel replied, I am Gabriel. 
I stand in God's presence. I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this and to bring this good news to you. Know this: what I have spoken will come true at the proper time. But because you didn't believe, you will remain silent, unable to speak until the day when these things happen. That's a lot to process. That's why the next phrase is real simple. Don't be afraid. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Don't be afraid. Number one, no one else is supposed to be in here. It's supposed to be me in this space offering this sacrifice, and here you are. And here you are telling me that in my age, my current age, is he 60, is he 70, is he 80? I'm going to have a baby. Would you hear anything else after that? Would anything else register after that? If before I was walking out on the stage at annual conference, someone came up to me and said, hey, uh, you got to have a baby. And he's going to do this, and he's going to do this, and he's going to do this, and he's going to do this. I'd say, what? excuse me? We're going to have a what? We're going to have a baby? And at 29, it would have made sense. I'm now 39. That makes a whole lot less sense. 49 makes even less sense. 59, 69, I'm just imagining. I can't say for certain, I'm just guessing. It makes less sense as it goes on. He says, don't be afraid. This man is going to draw Israel closer. What pulls Israel apart? Everything. Every nation surrounding them. Every family that gets divided for one reason or another. Every person that feels rejected by God and hopeless and wants nothing to do with God. Any number of reasons. The same reasons we come up with now, but for the nations coming in and conquering us and pulling us apart. He says he's going to draw Israel together. Even after they've been conquered, even after they've been defeated, even after they've been split, even after they've been north and south. He's going to draw them back together. Your son is going to do this. Your son is going to follow in the footprints of Elijah. There's a time later on in the Gospels when Jesus says, Who do people think I am? Lots of people wonder if he's this prophet Elijah. Now, I'll give you the perfect example of that, of um, young athletes coming up and they say, Oh, you know who he reminds me of? Um, Peyton Manning, LeBron James, Derek Jeter, whomever it may be. This person I've seen just flashes of, I think reminds me of this significant person that preceded them. He says, like Elijah, he's going to draw people back closer. And you know what I've never, ever noticed as I've read this for now 17 years? He will draw the hearts of fathers back to their children. That's interesting. Now, as we've hired eight people since I've been here, we've reviewed job descriptions every time. And as we look at those job descriptions and we pull them apart and we shuffle who has what based on the new person that's walked in the door, we're always looking and thinking, is this thing insane? Are the, are the things that we're asking this individual to do too far apart and spread from one another for them to truly be able to pull it off? 
How about he's going to draw nations together, right? He's going to be like Elijah. And he's going to make fathers turn back to their sons. That is a hefty job description. And keep in mind, this isn't Jesus. This is John the Baptist. The one who would precede Jesus is the one that this angel is talking to Zechariah about. Don't be afraid, is what he says. And I'm guessing Zechariah doesn't hear anything after that. What's fascinating is he's in the temple. He's a high religious official. And there's an angel standing beside him. And he says what? How can I be sure of this? If that guy can ask that question, all of us have the chance to ask that question when we're posed with a crazy proposition. How can I be sure of this? Those of you who um, have had a baby, would you like it if your husband couldn't speak for 10 months? <laughs> 10 months. Think about that. He did not speak for 10 months. Maybe you don't want to answer that question. Maybe that starts some hard conversations. How much did he hear? Verse 21. As Moses went up the mountain in Exodus, this isn't on the scripture, there were people waiting at the bottom of the mountain. Those people waiting at the bottom of the mountain got a little tired of waiting and took matters into their own hands. In the Old Testament, time and time again, there's a person going in there, and then people out here waiting. Verse 21. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they wondered why he was in the sanctuary for such a long time. When he came out, he was unable to speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he gestured to them and couldn't speak. When he completed the days of his priestly service, he returned home. Afterwards, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant. She kept to herself for five months saying, this is the Lord's doing. So in a way, they kind of were underdogs. 59, 69, 79, having a baby, that's an underdog. Your last phrase. This is significant. Because when I was speaking at annual conference at 29, I was three months from the path to the darkest feelings I would ever have in ministry, without question. And to that point, I'd been in a little country church, two little country churches, and stayed at home while Katie went to work in my last year, and kept Addison at home until she was six months old. When we went to a church about this size and I was an associate in Charleston, and was down, I've said to you, down uh, Highway 61 about 30 minutes on a good day. On a good day. It could be 45 easy. There were plenty of times in which I stayed at church when I had a meeting. Because I thought it's not worth it. And as I grew up, my sisters were gone when I was in the second grade. My parents worked really hard. My dad worked a lot of weekends. He was a real estate agent. I was solo a lot and accustomed to being solo a lot. And so that need to be solo in the midst of a grinding, difficult job that I was still learning 
caused me to not return home near enough. Then I went to a church that wasn't very busy because it was a new church start. I didn't really have much to do. I didn't even know what to do. But emotionally, I was tied to that the way any new business person who's starting a business from, that has their name on it would be tied to it 24-7. And when I came home, I was not home. And that was when it was good the first two years. The second two years, when I experienced true bitterness in the church, it really, really owned my head. And I did not return home. But then I was fortunate enough to come to Buncombe Street in Greenville. Fortunate enough to be around a person who was pastoral and friendly and humble and said, look, like, like in Rudy, there is a God and I'm not Him. And what family means to you, and I only lived a quarter mile from home. Then I somehow beat living a quarter mile from home to only 300 yards from home. Right? And I started at Buncombe Street returning home. Started. I'm better here. Have I completely returned home? That doesn't seem uh, totally likely. But returning home matters. What was his most important job in this story? Do you know if he lit the candle? Do you know if he offered the sacrifice? Did, it, did they mention that? <laughs> Nothing to do with that. No emphasis on what his pinnacle opportunity in his career was going to be in the temple. It was your family. What does that mean to you? What is the significance of that to you? I'm not talking about you had to be a parent. I'm talking about your connection to your family. What does that mean to you? What does it mean he returned home to care for his family? And as maybe a, maybe a proper model, care and don't speak. Care and don't say much. You know, just, just care and love and offer hope. And you don't have to say all that much. Let your actions carry it. He cared for his family. Now, we don't get a ton of description about that. But we have that phrase in the text. What does that mean to you? What does it mean to you in all the connections that you have, in all the conflicts that you potentially have in your family tree, and how this season puts a... Um, uh, well, you math professors, you know the little number on top of it and you multiply it by that, whatever that is. Exponent? Is it an exponent? Yeah? Okay. Exponent of three or four. Holiday season. He returned home as his primary job. What can you do, however small it may be, to return home? What can you do to deny the thing that you figure is the most important thing about your profession in order to return home? What can you do to reach out to your family members that are the toughest to reach out to? Why? Because it was first done for you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
If you'll stand and join me, we have an affirmation of faith. If you would like to join us, if you're wondering about your faith, we encourage you to do so. If you want to listen to us, you're welcome to. We believe in God the Father, infinite in wisdom, power, and love, whose mercy is over all His works, and whose will is directed to His children's good. We believe in Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Man, the gift of the Father's unfailing grace, the ground of our hope, and the promise of God fulfilled. We believe in the Holy Spirit as a divine presence in our lives, reminding us always of the truth of Christ, our inspiration and strength in times of joy and sorrow. We believe our faith should be apparent in our words of love and acts of service, that the kingdom of God may be a present reality here on earth. You may be seated. A present reality here on earth is the story of the season of Advent. It's significant. It's now time for our offering. You'll hear another original song by Jim. If you would like to give as the plate goes by, you certainly can. If you would like to give electronically, there's a link in the bulletin. If you would like to rely on the generosity of our people, I assure you they are generous. And you can do that until you're ready to give. Shepherd, 
spring of living water, light of light and light of love, image of the Father, promised child. We've been waiting so long for a Savior to appear. We've been hoping for the love that drives out all our fear. Promise begin our last song, let me take a moment to tell you about next Sunday. A lot of people have asked me about it. Um, it's Christmas Eve. We have one 10 a.m. service in the morning. It's in here. And the services are not going to be identical. The 10 o'clock service, you know, it's unique to have Christmas Eve on a Sunday. The morning service is going to be about the fourth Sunday of Advent, as if Christmas Eve were not that day. Um, you can come in pajamas. We're going to have uh, hot chocolate and donuts like we always do. Um, we're going to have fun. It's going to be rambunctious. The 5.30 service is a Christmas Eve service in the sanctuary. There's one uh, change that I want you to be really aware of. From 4.30 to 5.15, we're going to serve communion as people come in. You'll come in as, as you did um, when George Strait was here. You um, come in any time between in that block of time. Um, and Don and his friend are going to be playing music. Don and his friend, I wish I could remember his name, I'm sorry, will play at 5.15 to 5.30. It's, uh, um, it's beautiful music, so you're in, your um, natural inclination is to come in and talk. I'd encourage you, especially with communion and hearing that music, to, to be as quiet and peaceful as possible to be able to hear that amazing music that they're going to do. Communion will be in that block. It will not be in the worship service. Uh, so if you would like to have it, make sure that um, you come from 4.30 to 5.15. Any questions? I know that's a strange thing to say in the worship service. Any questions about Christmas Eve? We will not have a nursery. We won't have a nursery because we want everybody to be in there. And, and we do have rocking chairs in the back now uh, for um, parents who are, want to rock a child. We've got a bunch of babies coming. Uh, we want to make sure that uh, we might take those over uh, for moms if they want them at 530. Um, but don't worry about your children. Just let them be loud. That's the way it was that night. Any questions? All right. Thank you. All All right. Let's stand and sing, please. of angels. 
Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas.